0: Retails, from retailers to retailers, a podcast series brought to you by Orquest.
1: Bueno, 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 who do we have here today? I couldn't be more excited about starting this podcast series with him as our guest of honor, Isaac Calfan the man behind Mango's original international expansion, our senior advisor, and our friend here at Orquest. Thank you so much, Isaac, for being here today. Welcome.
0: Thank you, Adara. Thanks for with all these nice words about me. And I think I'm not, not, uh, I don't deserve them. But anyway, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks for your time also.
1: Thank you. As I was saying, Isaac led the international expansion at Mango the fashion group based in Barcelona and with more than 2,000 stores all over the world today. He's spent 38 years at Marmo. And that's saying a lot. That's even more than I have been alive. Most of them <laughs> as, <laughs> as VP of international expansion. But not only that, he has also participated in the expansion of the Fawes Care Group, one of the major players in the retail franchising industry in the Middle East. And as a consultant, he's not only senior advisor at orquest but also at fashion companies such as oxor or chakra yananuan maripas or misguided and in countries such as turkey morocco spain or the united kingdom so many things Isaac. with this stellar trajectory how did you start in the retail industry
0: uh well it was actually i was i was studying in uh, my last years in tourism school because i started first with the uh, with the chemical engineer, but I drop out and I, and I join uh, and then I joined, um, uh, the company's owner, the founder of, of, uh, of the company also, his name is also Isaac. So I joined him as, um, just to help them with the, with the whole operation, the whole operation. I mean, we had uh, that time, three tiny stores in Barcelona, in the hippie areas, more hip stars, areas that say, and that's how we started. So my, my main job was to take care of the warehouse and to, send all the goods to the three stores that we have on that time. And that's how it started in 1970s. It was very nice uh, beginning hippie times. You know, we all had the long hairs, bell-bottoms, trousers, and all that. It's a nice time, actually. Woodstock time, I would say.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Wow, that's very inspiring. And after all that, just leading the massive expansion that you did. Amazing. And speaking of, speaking of international expansion, uh, what challenges... Retailers face while expanding their business internationally. What challenges did you did you um, experience?
0: Yeah. Well, the the only experience I have was with Mango, so I, I'm going to tell that uh, we we opened first of all. We had a a, a warehouse and a wholesale business in in Barcelona at that time. Um, and we started to open stores of our own. Some stores in Madrid, Valencia, Barcelona. And then we had so many clients that uh, whoever was interesting in the brand, we start giving them the franchise uh, for their market, like San Sebastian, Valencia, or Palma de Mallorca, or Canary Islands. So that's how business started. So when we had, like I think it was 99 stores uh, after some years, we started having some people interested in mango from overseas, uh, like from... Uh, portugal france and uk and germany and all that so we we started on the on the market that we can control like portugal and france because we had borders with both countries so we thought it was easier to that's the way we can control the business even if it's a franchise so we started opening stores in france in southern france like montpellier Lyon, and in in portugal this is how we started because we never we knew that the One thing was very clear that Mango has to control the business because franchise business is something that if you don't control it, you might lose the control of it. So we always like to have our own stuff, you know, going traveling there time to time to see how the business does. Because we know that once we have a franchise business, if you don't control it, we lose the control. We don't recognize the store after six months. That might be a very risky thing. Mm
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, that's, that's a little bit, uh, related to, uh, to the next question that I was going to ask you is that, you know, what, what would be the recap of the do's and don'ts of, uh, expanding the business internationally, kind of the best practices do you, do you share some, uh, do you want to share other ones? Uh,
0: well, you know, as, as I mentioned before, once we start opening franchise stores, uh, you have to control them. So we, 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 the, the good thing about the franchise business is that you don't have to, um, you do you don't have to invest your own uh, financial uh, capacity. That let's say you can always rely on on somebody else um, funds. So it's an easy way of spending, but of course the risk is that the, the, the business might not be as good as yours because the service that you give to the franchise to the clients it might not be as good as you as you do. So it's it has a good part and bad part. That that means that. For one side, you're, you can expand faster your business, but also on second thought, you can lose the control of it. So it has to be um, 50-50. We always like to have company stores, company-owned stores, and franchise at the same time. Never only one side because you might lose the – I mean, the, you can lose everything. You, can, you don't know how, it, how, it, how they handle the business as good as you do. So it has to be very proactive on both ways.
1: So I guess like keeping a a tight relationship with them and and uh, making sure that the, the the training about the brand is uh, is very important. So the identity don't don't get lost, right?
0: Yeah, actually, actually, when we opened a french a franchise store, we used we used to leave uh, somebody of our company for fifteen to twenty days on the store just to train them, teach them how to do the business, and you know, and control them a little bit to see how, how everything is going. Yeah. Don't, not mm-hmm. always letting them do. I mean, we have to, we were very a big part of a, of the time, always in touch with them, looking at the figures, and uh, front And but of course now the system has been has been changing because the, I mean when we started in the 1970s or 80s there was no uh, internet or anything like this. Now it's easier to have cameras and, you know, uh, and uh, you don't need to have to send so many stuff always all the time, but you can control them. With all, the, you know, with all the information we have now on, on the internet and all, and all that. So it's easy to control now.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, I see. So um, if I would ask you, what is uh, the ideal franchisee like?
0: <laughs> ideal franchisee, like I would say for Mango in my time, was not a very big company because big companies that have so many brands, they might, they might lose the, fo- the focus on your business. But somebody dedicated and, and who likes the business and enjoys and also has to love the brand. I mean, if you don't like, if it's only um, on, on financial, like a, like a, like a profit business, it's, it doesn't work either. You have to love the brand to, to, to have it. I mean, and dedicate your time. Somebody in the team has to be full-time dedicated 24 hours a day to the business with mm-hmm. some financial background, of course.
1: Mm-hmm. Money I is see. important. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Great. And um, so you, you have opened many markets such as Latin America, Europe, Middle East. Are those markets very different from one another?
0: definitely i mean they are completely different yeah, you have a you have a lot of different markets and different politician politics also in in each month i mean uh, for example south america as you mentioned south america the politics are very important because depends who is in the government you can you can invest more or less you can be more rightist or leftist so in europe we want to make some such big difference because we have a you know we have more standard let's say doesn't matter who who is governing you? But in in uh, or who is running running the country? But in South America, it, it is important, and uh, of course, each market before opening, we have to make a small study of it to see the price study and the uh, VATs, duties, and the the income they have, and we might send different product to each one because of religion issues, like the Middle East, as you already know well how the, the market is now you have to send I mean you cannot send them for example mini skirts as much as you do in other countries because of or, or long sleeve or short sleeve it all depends on some uh, on the market. also weather issue I mean uh, the climate is also important to know which kind of if the winter starts in August or start in October you know you have many things to this to, to study before opening the market but I always say that uh, mango can can open all over the world. The only difference between one market and the other, maybe in a country like in a city like Berlin, you can open ten stores and a cities like Addis Abeba, you can open only one store. That's the difference. But the market will tell you how good you are and how, how the performance is and how well you do it when you have to make some changes on price wise or collection wise or, you know, there's so many different things actually just to, to make uh, to study before you go to our new market. Mm-hmm. And also the South America issue and Southern Hemisphere, you have different climate. It's over. It's, it's over the other way around. So you have to study very well when you manufacturing here blouses or uh, sweaters. You have to do bikinis or, or or t-shirts for South America. So it's a it's a complex situation. Logistic also is very important. They have to. Have, it's not easy to have a franchise. I have a lot of companies that goes it down. But I mean. Companies that are running well are the companies that are very well structured with a good logistic merchandising. You know, all the department has to be involved in that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so many things to to take in consideration uh, while doing that. Absolutely. And from those markets, which ones do you think have advanced more recently in the, in the recent years? And why do you think that was?
0: First of all, it all depends on the competition you got. So many brands you have, uh, uh, but it, it also—I I can give you a nice example. For example, when we started, in Portugal it was a great market for us because Portugal was, a, I would say, virgin. First of all, Spain for Portugal is considered a, a superior country. Let's say that's the country they're always looking forward to, to, you know, to copy whatever they can. So mango was very well accepted there, and France was a little bit harder because France is a how you say in English? Lacuna de la de la moda. I don't know how to say this word in English now, but you know, ah. um, um, you know, it's where the fashion started. So it's it wasn't easy because we are on a, I wouldn't say third world country, but Spain was considered in a way on the seventies and eighties. Um, you know, we were we were not as 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 a, as leader as France or, or UK was doing on fashion. So it was a little bit more difficult people to accept the Spanish brand to be to conquer that that, that part of the of the world, you know, to have a fashion of it. because I remember when we started open franchise in Germany, for example, the people was were actually laughing at me saying, Oh you guys said my has your siesta time. So what time you work? You know, it was a little bit embarrassing for us and insulting. But mm-hmm. uh, we made the, we we made them understand that uh, we can also have you know, good brands in this part of the world and started yeah. out the Pyrenees, you know,
1: <laughs> but it was tough. Mm-hmm. It
0: was very tough at the beginning. I, I'll have to take. I'll have to say that.
1: Yeah. I can imagine. That's uh, and now look at, uh, what, what Spain is for, for the retail industry, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Said and the, you the... have
1: made a big, uh, a big dent on that. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. It's amazing. Incredible. Um, that's uh, this great, great story. So, when you're thinking about that international strategy, right? When when you're thinking about where where to put those um, those franchises or or that expansion by by its own brand, how how those destinations are chosen? I'm interested in learning who makes those decisions, what criteria is taken in consideration.
0: Yeah, yeah. Actually, when we have a new market on the on the pipeline, so first we make a small visit to to two-person at least of our company we made a small uh, market research to see with our brand with our position where you can if it's a shopping mall if it's a street now it is easier now you have statistics you, you go to internet you can find these which are the best shopping malls in the, in each country but my time we, we have to you know visit them stay in two three days visit all, this, all the shopping malls all the street line and see where where your brand will 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 match To be Mm -hmm. and then we have to make a small study, as I said before. Price wise, uh, we what kind of price wise we have to target there, because the not every. I mean, of course, countries like Indonesia. I mean, we can market only ten percent of the of the population, maybe. But in a country like Germany, we can go to six to seventy percent of the population, or even more. So it 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 all depends on the on the on the market on each different market. Mm -hmm.
1: That previous analysis must be. Really uh, really uh, thought through right in order to to get all the insights you need to uh, to go ahead and, and make the the investments and in, in the changes of course. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. And actually, right. that's what uh, big brands like Zara does. I mean, they, they go to many different markets with uh, local partner because local partner knows the market a lot better than you. You cannot learn the whole thing in two or three days. So once they, they open, they launch their own stores, like a franchise or, or a joint venture. They learn the business. The one they learn, they have a deal already done that uh, in five years they take over the business. So it's mm-hmm. another way of doing business because uh, you then depend on your Local partner, because as I said, they really know how to handle the, all the operations, salary-wise and stuff-wise, and even they can get a better deals with the malls or the, with the, even with the rents. I mean, being a, a foreign company, it's always a it's it's easier to cheat you, but if you're local, mm-hmm. that's even better. Yeah. So we choose yeah. always a local partner to help us, because they know mm-hmm. their market a lot better than yeah. we do.
1: Absolutely. Um, so going deeper into that um, how would you choose the the store location the like a reference mall flagship at main streets where the franchise is desired or no,
0: you know, no, how no, such no. strategic
1: decision is made mm-hmm.
0: no the decision is done by both I mean we have to listen to what they say because they know their market but we know our brand so it has to be you know, win-win, both of us. So they tell us a lot of things. Okay, let's go this place, that place, and then we have to make our own research to see if we if we match what they're saying, because somebody sometimes maybe they want to go to a cheaper location or rent cheaper rent. So they might try to not cheat, I would say, but to convince you or persuade you to go to somebody somewhere more, uh, just into their to their budget. But we have to tell them, sorry, uh, that's not what we want. We want to be in this place because we think that this brand is our competition. This is the price that we want to target. Blah 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 blah. So we, it's always a mix. They recommend us. They advise it. They take us to place, and then we have to say, okay, now let's look at our side, and then we do our own research also. So it has to be both ways. Mm-hmm. I Just mean, uh, we we, we yeah we we have to. It was a very big uh, actual issue on challenging in South America because. Our strategy was different. We thought that we knew it, but the market is different. It's a, a lot of uh, different class, social classes there. In, let's say in in South America, so we have to adjust ourselves not to what we know, but also to their reality, to their truth. You know, it was a it was a way of learning. We we learn a lot, and we lost a lot of money also with some bad decision in some markets in South America because we thought we can take the European ideas or policy to there but we have to then we realize that we have to adjust ourselves to the local market and that's not somebody not something that everybody knows you have to feel the market you have to be there talk to the people and then you you realize how to do that takes some time
1: mm-hmm. so interesting so i i understand that you know a good location doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't necessarily guarantee itself the profitability of the store right
0: oh not at all yeah definitely no no not at all. i mean there's so many facts i mean so many issues there like rents sales by square meter uh, margin that you might sell we might give the margin that w- the price that we can sell it's also important to know what is the price strategy in, in each different market i mean let me give you an example of what happened for example with um, with Maripaz, when I was working in Maripaz, in Maripaz we have uh, four or five stores in France once, um, and then we realized that we thought that we could reduce prices. We reduce prices and we start selling the same amount of uh, of of uh, shoes, but with less turnover, of course, because the price issue is not so sensitive, There's no sounds they're not so uh, price sensitive in in uh, in France, but. In the other way, in, in Germany, for example, even though it's a, one of the richest country with the higher rent, higher per capita income and all that, but they are very conscious of price conscious. So we do have to sell sell cheaper in Germany because people are looking for bargains or, or you know, so it, they're different. France and Germany are completely different in this sense. Just to give you okay. a small example.
1: Great. Thank you for that. That's a that's good, good insight. And what else uh, could guarantee good profitability, from your point of view?
0: Hmm. <laughs> Very difficult, especially after the COVID. You know, so many, so many companies go bankrupt, and know, closing uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare to say anything. Really, it, it all depends. First of all, dedication. You got to have a financial You have to be strong financially. If something goes wrong. To be able to, you know, restart again, uh, it's it's not easy to say. It all depends on the on the on kind of business actually, and you have to also realize how fast the mo- the world is changing and to adapt yourself to the new to the new uh, strategies. Like especially on the during the COVID, you realize that the website that the internet cell can be can can do a lot of uh, help you a lot on on the sales what sales wise so we have to adapt really fast to the to this world that we have to start with the with the marketplace or start selling to another marketplaces in the area or your own business on, on the website you know it's 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 very much changing the world is so fast everything is so fast now so you have to be very focused and not losing the one day you know if you stay out for a, for six months, you're out of business immediately.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you think this online boom has affected the, the physical stores?
0: Online is affecting. It will be affecting, but of course it doesn't mean that the, that's the end of the shopping. I mean, uh, I'll give you an example because I remember once I was in uh, in UK and uh, somebody, I don't remember who it was, but he said something very wise. He said like, before to have an um, if you want to be known in UK you need to have 200 stores all over and now maybe with the 50 stores and a good uh, website maybe you can make the same amount of money so I would say that uh, is affecting it it all depends on kinds of products I always I, I was actually when I started in mango we started in the 2000 with a website and I thought we'll be selling more basic garments like like a polo shirt that I know my size is a large size, and it's going to be easier to, but it's not like this. So I was wrong. I know, for example, companies like uh, uh, shoe companies from uh, from Portugal, like even uh, Parfois, the main, what they sell most is the shoes. And the shoes is something that really is, it's not easy to sell shoes online because mm-hmm. it doesn't fit you, you know, it can hurt your feet or whatever. But, so uh, times are changing people now buy three pairs of shoes and then send back two you know so there have ways of uh so internet sales it is affecting sales but i think the going shopping is still going to be uh you know important part of the world because nobody otherwise you're going to stay home all day so that's not fun either and and also some markets like middle east for example the only fun they have is having is going to shopping malls because there's nothing else until a couple of years ago there was not even cinemas or bars you know so they can go you have to go somewhere and go shopping but mm-hmm. in europe i know it's different i know the young generation not my age but my young generation is buying a lot more on the on the internet but i think that the compulsory sales will always be there somehow maybe some mm-hmm. product less some products more but it's there I mean you we can need see that the main streets yeah 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 definitely you have to find the right pine the right the right uh, moment to to match them both of them mm-hmm. is that With what i said the, i mean instead of uh maybe small stores all over have only flagship sales, it depends on the brands of course or the other ones we will choose another way but You cannot only have, uh, only website doesn't really work. I know ASOS is doing great and companies like this on Zalando on, but even this kind of companies, they are going also, to Amazon, they also open their own um, retail stores. I mean, they, I mean, I know that ASOS now they have their own brand actually even because they really, and they need some uh, presence in somewhere. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I would say, you know, both.
1: Okay. Okay, very interesting. I I
0: work work with a company like misguided as you said, as you mentioned before, and they have only stores and and then they have to open a couple of stores in UK. And now we open immediately as many stores because they realize that only website it says also it's unlimited. It's very limited what they're doing. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm You definitely have seen it all, haven't
0: you? <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I'm looking forward to see the rest. To see the future, how is gonna how is gonna be the future of the retail? And I think nobody knows. Uh, the the stores, I I think they have to give a different kind of service to keep you know their track, because otherwise they you got, but you have to do something. And I and I see some changing going around. I mean, uh, we don't actually nobody knows what's gonna happen, but. Uh, in ten years, we see a lot of different things. Um, they, they offering they offering they're gonna offer a lot more things on the retail business to keep on you know selling and people and so people will desire to go and and buy it there and not not on the online. I'm, I'm a mm-hmm. little bit old fashioned for that, so I I do believe in in, all, in the online plus the the retail. Normal retail mm-hmm. that we all know, but maybe a little bit more advanced and uh, with more gadgets, like say in the stores, and you can amuse the kids once the, the the moms are buying, or you know, something has to be done to to keep those people going to the flow. Go go to the stores; they will find a way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Isaac, thank you very much. Very interesting everything that you shared today. I thank you dearly for being here with us and for sharing so much wisdom in a nutshell. And one more thing just to finish leaving your audience with a final thought how would isaac Halfon summarize his business philosophy
0: well first of all you have to enjoy what you do otherwise it doesn't work that's my main thing if you don't uh, if you're not happy in what you're doing i think you better change your <laughs> your profession and secondly you have to be very optimistic and open your eyes because the world is changing so fast it's like a train going you know bull, like a bullet train but you have to catch very carefully and to grab don't don't leave yourself because you're gonna get out of fashion in, uh, in today's Then. thank you and long life for you guys for orcas also
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you
0: retails from retailers to retailers a podcast series
1: brought to you by Orquest